0: Well, good morning again. We're in the sermon series called Different. It's, it's through the book of 1 Peter. And if you could just choose one word to describe this book, it would be the word different. Because Peter is saying something to these churches. They're scattered all throughout Asia Minor. They're scattered. They're persecuted. But they're called to live distinctly in the world. And what Peter would say and would remind them is, remember, this world is not your home. But while you're in the world, you're not to be of the world. You're called to live differently and distinctly. And so we're going to be in First Peter chapter 1. We're, we've made it to verse 13. And I'm going to read this passage in its entirety for you. I read just the first few verses earlier, but I want but to read it as we begin our time together this morning. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Well, would you like to get out early today? Could I make this message very, very short and and dismiss you early? Because this is a really simple message. You're going to beat all the other churches to the restaurant uh, today. Because I can simplify this. Uh, Peter quotes a passage from Leviticus, Leviticus 19. It's called The Holiness Code. He quotes that in the early part of this passage. Jesus also quotes that from Leviticus in this little passage of Scripture known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he says in verse 16, Peter says, Be holy because I am holy. Just as God who called you is holy, so you are called to be holy. It's easy, right? It's simple. In fact, the editors of, of my edition of the, the Bible, they provide these little headings. Now, they may, you may have those in your Bible, but I just want you to know those headings weren't there in the original text. They're there by an editor to kind of help you know what you're about to read. And, and, and my heading says, be holy. Be holy. So that's it. Just as God is holy, you are called to be holy. You got it? Ready? Go. Table Mesa. Go. Have at it. Um, nobody's moving. Because <laughs> you know I'm just joking. Um, I, I, do, I do get paid by the word. And so I have to keep going. Just kidding. Sometimes you think, preachers think. They get paid by the word, but no. Um, no, the, the The call seems to be pretty clear here in, in 1 Peter 1 to, to be holy. But but just to say that, just to, to look at a group of people who live in a, in a world that's not very holy. In fact, it's pretty profane to, to, to stand up in front of a group of people and to think about this call that Peter's issuing to the church, that, that, that the Holy Spirit is, is continuing to issue to us today, to just say, be holy, now go, do it. You might as well, you know, you know, we've got football season coming up. And, and if you were in the huddle and the quarterback was barking out the next play and the quarterback said, West right, two jet, flanker or drive, on two, ready, break. Like, how many of you would know what to do based on what I just said? Is there a wide receiver out here that would know? I see, I see a, a few hands, okay, all right, we're going to let them run the offense today. But for 99% of us, we would be like, what in the world? And I think that's, when you simplify this, this call that, that Peter's issuing here, when you just simplify it to, well, we're, we're called to be holy. Let's just go out and do it, it. It's sort of like trying to, you know, figure out what play the quarterback's calling. If you've never played football before, I've never had a set of pads on. I watch the game. I see people running those plays, but I don't know really how they do it. And I think when it comes to following Jesus, we live in in the world, but we know that we're called to not be of the world and God calls us to be distinct. He calls us to be different. And so the question for the Christian life is, is what does it look like? I mean, as you work this out, what does it look like to live this kind of life in the world, a life that scripture says is the holy life, a life of holiness? There's a young man that was in my youth group his name was Cole. And Cole graduated and, and I took a special interest in Cole and began to mentor him and disciple him and, and saw all kinds of spiritual growth and spiritual potential in Cole's life. And Cole took a job as an HVAC repairman. And so we would meet regularly for, for just to mentor and to read scripture together. And this, this gentleman in the church had actually given him this job and was his boss and owned this company. And Cole and I were talking one day and he said, you know, Mr. Billy told me something that really made me uncomfortable. I said, well, what, what did Mr. Billy say? What, what happened? He said, well, I got done with a job and I submitted the invoice. And then Billy changed some things on the invoice and wanted to bill the customer for some things that I didn't do. And so I said, well, what would you do? I said, well, I, I, I told Mr. Billy that I didn't think that was right. And he said something to me, and, and I want to know what you think of it because it doesn't feel right. He said, this is not Sunday school. This is business. Doesn't that represent some of the bifurcated ways that we live our lives? I mean, we gather here as the people of God. We hear this message. We hear, we see who God is. We see who God's calling us to be. And we say amen to that. But sometimes Christians think that's the end of it. When the reality is what happens in worship, when you see who God is, when you see him in his holiness, what God is calling you to do is not just to say amen on Sunday, but to live that out Monday through Saturday. Gandhi said something that we need to hear again. Not that Gandhi is any expert on being a Christian, but he said some good things. And we especially need to hear this. He said, I don't think, he said, I like your Christ. But not your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. We need to hear that critique. We need to hear that because we're called to live differently in the world. We're called to live like Jesus. And this is our call. Followers of Jesus are called to live like Jesus 24-7. What you say amen to here today, you live out Monday through Saturday. We're called to live like Jesus 24-7. And so in the midst of that call of living like Jesus in the world, we ask ourselves a lot, well, is this holiness? Is is this what Jesus is talking about? Is this what Jesus would do? Is this how Jesus would have me respond? Is, Is this what it means to live a holy life? Well, wouldn't you know it, Cole got paired up with somebody else in the HVAC repair business. He got paired up with this guy who claimed to be a quote-unquote holiness preacher. And he was telling me about this guy. He said, man, he's really weird. I said, well, yeah, those holiness people, they are kind of weird. That doesn't surprise me at all. He said, no, he, he's, he's just, he's, he's not like you. He's, he's different. He's, he's weird. I said, well, tell me more about him. And, and so this relationship developed and, and Cole was working with this guy and this guy was talking about all kinds of stuff, churchy, Bible-type stuff, but Cole had never heard that stuff at our church. And he came to me one day, he said, you know that, that crazy preacher I work with? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, he's having, he's having what he's calling a, a, a tent revival. I said, oh yeah, I've heard of those. He's like, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be crazy. I said, really? And he started telling me some of the stuff that Cole was talking about, and curiosity got the best of me. And I'm telling y'all, like, I'm deep in this. I was raised in the church. There's not much that Christians would do that would surprise me. But some of this stuff was piqued my interest. I said, well, what are you doing tomorrow night? Cole said, not much. I said, well, why don't we just go to that tent revival? And uh, Curiosity got the best of Lauren. Curiosity got the best of some other people and Cole's fiance. And so like six of us loaded up. And we went out to Locust Fork, Alabama. Okay. It sounds as it is as rural as it sounds. Okay, Locust Fork, Alabama. It's it's an hour from Birmingham, but man, you gotta you gotta work hard to find it. So we're going out this road, and we're not not really sure where this tent is set up, and and, and where this revival is happening. But we're uh, we're just about lost, and we're just about to give up on it. But as we're going down this road, we see this like piece of wood, and somebody is spray painted, or they've gotten a paintbrush and just made this handmade sign, and it says, Holiness Tent Revival. And then with a paintbrush, they pointed an arrow this way. And it pointed you down this long dirt road in Locust Fork, Alabama. We said, there it is. There's the Holiness Tent Revival. Let's go. And so we turned down the dirt road, and we went back about a half a mile, and it opens up into this field, and sure enough, there was a tent. Now how many of you, I'm this far in the story, how many of you are saying, I ain't going down no dirt road in Locust Fork, Alabama. What in the world are you thinking, Pastor? You're crazy, man. There we were. There's the tent. Nothing has surprised me so far. There's a few cars parked around the tent. And as we approach the tent and we kind of slip in the back, they had just gotten going with the singing. We kind of slip into the back and I noticed, man, people aren't dressed like they normally are addressed. It, it, it's a bit odd in here. Things are a little bit different. And, and these I've heard a lot of church songs. Like I said, y'all, I'm deep in this. I've heard a lot of church songs. But these are songs I'd never heard before. So I was like, that's surprising. I, I thought I'd heard it all. And as the preaching got going, this quote-unquote holiness preacher, who also is an HVAC repairman, and he got up and he was saying some things that I'd never heard before. And I've heard a lot of stuff. And, 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 and he was connecting things in Scripture that I didn't think really connected or went together. And it sounded really different. And towards the end of his sermon, after lots of fire, lots of brimstone, lots of all kinds of stuff that sounded crazy to me. Somebody, his buddy, came up to the front and they had a table and he set this box up on the table. And I said, that is the oddest communion set I've ever seen in my life. And he got to the end of the sermon and he said, if your faith is strong, come to the front. And he flipped the lid of the box open. and He said, pick up one of these serpents. He reached into the box and pulled out, I kid you not, I am telling the absolute truth. This is not like all my other stories. He reached into this box and he pulled out a six foot rattlesnake. And he said, if your faith is strong, come and pick up the serpent. Demonstrate how much faith you have in God. I'm deep in this, y'all. I'd never seen anything like that. I looked at Cole. I said, you about ready to go? We were ready to go. We did not stick around to see whose faith was strong and whose faith was weak. But we got in the car, and I said, Cole, you just need to know something. This is not holiness. This is not what we're talking about. We're called to be different, but not that. Not that. And those two stories really illustrate, like, the tension, right? Be holy. You're in this profane. You're in this unholy world. And so Scripture calls you to be holy, to be different. What does that look like? What does it look like to live a holy life? And what I concluded with Cole and what I would conclude with you today is that you'll know holiness when you see it. You'll know holiness when you see it because it will sound like Jesus. It will look like Jesus. It will feel like Jesus. It will be Jesus. If it looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, feels like Jesus... It is Jesus. And that's how we discern what it looks like to live a holy life. And so that's what Peter does. As he takes us through the passage, he says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy in all you do. How is this holiness forged? What is the example for us? We don't look to the world. We don't look even to human examples, although there are some great exemplars among us. We can look to those, but all of Scripture points to Jesus. And it is God saying, if you want to know what it looks like to live holy, I have sent my one and only Son in the flesh. And now all of the holiness of God is contained there in the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to know what it looks like to live a holy life, look to Jesus. Look at verse 18. Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, "...such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from this empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world and has been revealed. Something was concealed and now it's revealed in these last times for your sake." We have the benefit of of the full revelation of God on display revealed in Christ. And when Christ shed his precious blood for us, he showed us what selflessness looked like. He was emptied of all self-interest on the cross. And he shows us a life completely surrendered to God. He was willing to do this, Peter says, before the creation of the world. Imagine that kind of resolve. As God was creating the world in the heart of God, the second person of the Trinity was willing to die so that fallen creation might be reconciled to God. This kind of love, this kind of emptying of self-interest is what we see in Jesus. And so this is our calling. And so friends, as you discern what it looks like to live this way in the world, Could we just define holiness by by this simple definition? We don't have to go to Locust Fork, Alabama for this. We can say quite simply that, that holiness is a different way of living in which the nature and character of Jesus is reflected to the world. We are created in the image of God. We're the only part of creation that can do that. And, and, and as beings created in the image of God, we're able to reflect the nature and the character of Jesus. As God has redeemed us and saved us and sanctified us and set us apart for holy use, we now have the capacity to reflect the love and the character of God to the world. Well, how do we do that, church? Do you just try harder? Do you just run a little faster on the treadmill? The, the gospel is this, is that your capacity to reflect God to the world is made possible by the precious blood of Christ. What, what God has done in Christ, He has done for us what we could not do for ourselves and so living a holy life is not a matter of trying harder and pulling yourselves up by your bootstraps and saying, you know, that, that sin that I continue to commit, that temptation that I continue to fall into, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, I'm just going to try a little harder, run a little faster on the treadmill, and I'm finally going to get victory over that. What the, the gospel is saying Jesus has given you that victory by his blood by his resurrection, by his victory on the cross. Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave is our victory over sin. It's not in our own strength. It is Christ within us, empowering us to live this way. It's a high calling. It's a high calling. And it requires a people to surrender to that, to say, Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, I want to reflect you to the world. And so I surrender to you. What is the heart of this, this, this character that we reflect to the world? Well, Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22. He said, what's the greatest commandment? You know, the, the people that he was talking to, they like to make lists. Jesus, just give us a list. If you'll make a, if you just, what are you all about, Jesus? Just give us a list and we'll do the things on the list. And then we can be done with all this. And Jesus said, you know, I'm not going to give you a list. I'm going to tell you simply this, that love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And everybody said, great, we can do that. But then he said this, and love your neighbor as yourself. These things go together. These things are all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. And and as you think about that call, which really is the heart of, of holiness, of reflecting God's character to the world, the love God part is, is pretty easy. But the love neighbor, is pretty difficult. Because sometimes people run companies and they charge you for things they didn't actually do. It's hard to love those people, isn't it? it it's hard to love people that cheat you. It, it's hard to love people that curse you. It's hard to love people who are your enemies. It's, it's hard to love people who disappoint you. Man, loving people is hard. But what it means to be holy is to love God and love one another. And Peter knows that's going to be a struggle. Jesus knew that was going to be a struggle. And and Peter, having been discipled by Jesus, writes this to those churches scattered in Asia Minor. He knows this is going to be the rub. And so look at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. He's saying, don't miss this. Yes, the precious blood of Christ shed for you. When God loved you first, it's easy to love him in return. But we have to love one another deeply from the heart. We have to love those who have not loved us first. We have to be the first to love. We have to be the first to begin the relationship, to mend the relationship, to reconcile the relationship. And what Peter learned in his time following Jesus is this that, that our love for God our love for God grows only as we are willing to love others just let that sink in for a minute that our depth and our love for God it grows it expands only as we are willing to love others you see this is what we learn for when Pete, when Peter was restored remember when he he, he betrayed Jesus Two weeks ago, we, we, we explored this, how there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love you, man. I love you. Do you love me? And every time Peter professed his love, Jesus' response was this, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, feed my sheep. Jesus was saying, yes, I hear you saying you love me. Peter, you just need to know that when you say you love me, it means you're going to feed my lambs. You're going to take care of my sheep. That your love for me is only going to grow in relationship and proportion to your willingness to love others. And this is a capacity that I give you by my Holy Spirit at work within you. Because it's not in your own strength to love those who cheat you or curse you or disappoint you. But as you depend upon my Holy Spirit that is in you and working through you, this is possible. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. You know, there was someone else there with Peter. He was a witness. He saw everything that happened. He was one of the first witnesses to the resurrection. We learn in the Gospels that this disciple, John, and Peter, they ran to the tomb. They were the first persons to, they were some of the first persons to see it empty. I love how John includes this detail that he outran Peter. Tells you what good friends they are. But John was there and he wrote a letter to the church too. And he said basically the same thing. Look at 1 John chapter 2 verses 9 through 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. John, Peter, Jesus himself, the entire witness of the New Testament is saying that, love God, yes, love God. But we also have to love others. What does it mean to be a holiness people? It is people who their heart is so filled with love for God. And their heart is so filled with love for others. There's just no more room for sin. There's just no more room for rebellion because their heart and their life has been filled with love for God and love others. John Wesley said, there is no holiness apart from social holiness. And he was getting at several things there, but but one of the things he was getting at is that you can... Keep all the rules. You can walk in some kind of moral purity. But if keeping all the rules doesn't result in love for your neighbor, i.e., social holiness, then you're missing the whole thing. So Peter calls the church to, to give special attention to this call to love their neighbor. And he makes what we call in the New Testament a sin list. It happens a few times in the New Testament. Paul has some very famous sin lists. But but parchment is expensive and ink is expensive and it takes a lot of effort to send these letters. And so in Peter's sin list, I want you to see what what he includes. He says, Therefore, verse verse 1 of chapter 2, Therefore, rid yourself of malice, envy, deceit, hypocrisy, and slander. Rid rid yourself of these things like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Do you think that that Peter, I, I look at this list and I look at all the things that he could have called out. I look at all the things that are wrong with the world. And in the limited amount of space that he has, he says to the church, be mindful of these things that destroy human relationships. Malice, envy, deceit, hypocrisy. These things destroy human relationships. And so he doesn't spill ink and waste parchment calling out the sins of the world. Those are pretty evident. What he says to the church is give attention to these things that destroy relationships, that break relationships, malice, envy, deceit, hypocrisy, slander. These things can't be. And so church, it would do us good today to say, what in my life is preventing healthy human relationships with my neighbor, with my family, with my co-workers, with my enemies, with the stranger, the foreigner, those who sojourn among us, our neighbor, human relationships, humans created in the image of God living all around us. What are we doing to love them, to show God's love to them? This is what it means to be a holy people, to love God and to love our neighbor. Some of you know I'm a little obsessed with baseball. And there is this play that happens in baseball. You see it a lot in the major leagues. A ball will be pitched. It'll get away from the pitcher and it will hit the batter. And the batter is awarded first base for this. And in recent days, it's become sort of pretty good sport theater because we want to see how that batter's going to react at the professional level. Usually there's like, at the very minimum, there's a stare-down contest. Okay, that's the just bare minimum. The batter's got to bow up a little bit. Even though they're wearing like this protected guard and it just hit the, you know, padding that they have. You know, they'll stare at them a little bit. But if you're lucky, this is maybe one of the most interesting things that happen in baseball these days. He's going to charge the mound. There's going to be some kind of altercation. The bullpens are going to empty. Nobody really throws any punches anymore. Everybody just kind of gets out there and they bow up a little bit. And You better not do that again. And There's a lot of back and forth and a lot of uh, yelling at one another. So this is what adults do when they play baseball and when they get paid to play baseball. But I've had the privilege of coaching youth baseball over the last few years. And I would tell you the, the, the machismo of wanting to beat somebody up or rush them out, that's a learned behavior. We teach our kids that. Some of our worst examples at the professional level teach our kids that kind of behavior. Because more often than not, a young man pitching a baseball at 8, 9, 10 years old, he's got one goal. He's trying to throw to the catcher's mitt. He's trying to throw a strike. And sometimes a ball gets by him, and it hits a fellow 8, 9, and 10-year-old. And More often than not, I've seen pitchers get upset because they didn't want to hit the 8, 9, or 10-year-old. This week in the Little League World Series, you had something like that happen. You had, a, you had a young man, he's 12 years old, he's, he's trying to win a baseball game, he's trying to do his best to, to pitch, and well, he had one get away from him. And I want you to see what happened after, after that play. Check this out. Wow, that is a tough kid right there. Hey George it hit his helmet so this is really cool because as a pitcher bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did and look at zay jarvis this is such great sportsmanship he wants him to know that it's okay that he'll be fine look at me Look at me, you're all right. Amazing. You're all right. Look at me. Look, look, look. You can look. What a stud right there. Zay Jarvis. Peter says, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That team in blue, they're trying to win a baseball game. That team in maroon, they're trying to win a baseball game. But that young man, his name is Zane Jarvis. He shows us that there's something bigger happening than what's on the scoreboard. He sees a pitcher there distraught. That that ball got away from him. He didn't want to hit him in the helmet. He's distraught. He's upset. And you see that young man show a lot of character, a lot of sportsmanship. And a lot of what Peter's talking about here. Just to walk over, to throw his arm around him, to console him and say, Look, it's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Let's play baseball. Let's continue having fun here. Let's continue to play. And Jesus said, unless you receive this kingdom as a little child, you're going to miss it. And those, those two young men, young men in that clip, they, they give us a glimpse of the kingdom. When, 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 when things happen and, and when things go wrong and when things get away from us and we certainly do things we didn't intend to do, well, sometimes you're the one that made the mistake or the accident and you feel terrible about it. Sometimes you're the one receiving that instead of being angry or Starting a fight? or What if the people of God are those that work to resolve the conflict? What if the people of God are those that offer reconciliation? Love God. Love others. Love one another deeply from the heart. Get rid of malice, envy, hypocrisy. Get rid of all that. I don't know what Zane Jarvis is going to do for the rest of the Little League World Series. He'll probably have a, a really robust stat line. He's going to get some hits. I, I really don't know. There's a lot of players in this year's Little League World Series. They're going to hit home runs. They're going to do great things. At the end of it, one team is going to win. I don't know who won last year. It's going to be a while before I forget the name of Zane Jarvis because of what he, the love that he showed and I, and I think that is, is, is what Peter's talking about here. As we think about this call to live a holy life, the world will notice when we look like Jesus. The world will notice when we look like Jesus, when our lifestyle and our choices and our human interactions, when it points to Jesus, the world is going to take note and they're going to be drawn to that because it's beautiful and it's good. Did you see the mom in the clip? I, I watched this clip a lot this week. I was really hoping that the mom was Zane's mom, but her earrings were 17 and he's number nine. So I, I, know that, I know that that's not Zane's mom. But I know Zane's mom was in the stands. And I've seen a lot of youth baseball throughout the years. And I've seen my kids do great things on the field and I've seen them win games and I've seen them pitch well and I've seen them get big hits and it's awesome. But I can tell you the thing that I love the most is, is when my kids display character and when they play the game the way it's supposed to be played and when they do things uh, that, that show the kind of young men that they are. That's what makes me proud. And I know in that stadium was Zane's mom. And she was proud of what her son had done and the kind of love that he showed. And she probably looked at someone and said, yes, that's my boy. And just as Zane's mom would brag about her son, I think when we get this right, when we love one another deeply from the heart, our Heavenly Father says, that is my girl. That is my son. That is my daughter. We bring God joy when we live this way. And so church, I want to I issue a, a call to you today. As we think about this call that Peter gives us to, to rid ourselves of hypocrisy, deceit, malice, envy, slander. Maybe there's some other things that you would add to that list. Maybe you would say today, you know, there, there are things in my life that do not align with who God is and who God has called me to be. And I want to surrender those things to the Lordship of Christ. I want to ask God's Holy Spirit to take those things away from me. I want to ask the Lord to do something in me that I could not do for myself. I want you to hear this prayer. This is from a devotional that a friend of mine shared on social media It's a devotional uh, that you can access at 24-7prayer.com. It's a great resource. It's called Lectio 365. It's praying your way through the scriptures. And here's a prayer for us today. Holy God, would you show me the sins I am tolerating and accommodating that damage the lives of others, sins to which I have become numb? Would you resensitize my conscience, And renew in me a burning passion for holiness. Give me the courage to cut out anything that needs to go. That's a bold prayer, isn't it? Isn't that a bold prayer? But friend, I'll tell you, it is a prayer I know God wants to and will answer when we surrender to him.